Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. As the harvest rumbles on this week, I'm sure everyone in the industry is reveling in the sunny weather and the excellent progress of the harvest. There are many areas of the country which will largely be finished harvesting in about a week or so. Looking across the water to the UK, the weather they have endured has probably been drier and definitely hotter than Ireland this year. So I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Mann, who's a farm manager in North Bedfordshire, which is in the heart of England's arable area. Andy runs a large estate with a no-till establishment system on heavy clay soils and strives to grow a mix of crops, but winter wheat is the bedrock of the system. Andy, you're very welcome to the podcast. Andy, it's been a while since we've spoken and I'm sure you're in the middle of harvest at the moment. So you might just give listeners an update about your winter and spring crops and how they looked going into May. Yeah, um, so uh, we've got winter, mainly winter wheat. We had a few winter beans, uh, which I drilled far too late into November, uh, late November, and, and they just didn't, they didn't survive. It got quite wet around Christmas and the crows and pigeons had most of those. So we, we didn't really have a lot of winter beans coming forward. Um, ground was well set up for spring crops we had some good cover crops in um, and yeah coming into early spring we did our spring drilling probably earlier than usual probably last maybe the third week of March we started we had 70 hectares of spring wheat and 70 hectares of spring oats and uh, a little bit of contracting as well we undersowed the spring wheat with clover little uh, white clover um, which was sort of reasonably successful, but uh, since we've hit this drought conditions, it seems to we're just cutting the spring wheat today actually, and and I can't see much clover under there now. Unfortunately, I think it's it's probably disappeared down the cracks. Unfortunately, but um, but yeah, it was it's been yeah pretty regular spring, but the alarm bells were I suppose if they are alarm bells, but knew something was up when we started to see. Normally, we'd see flag leaf emergence, uh, or we'd be planning to do flag leaf sort of full emergence sprays. Anytime from the 17th to the 20th of May, um, we were more likely the 7th to the 10th of May. So we were a good 10 days earlier. Um, and, you know, at that point, I thought, hang on, I've never, ever seen that before. That was quite unusual. And disease pressure wasn't particularly high. We were doing um, work with Corteva and stuff uh, and Bayer doing rapid testing for Septoria and Yellow Rust and not really seeing um, high levels of either disease really. Um we just did a, depending on what variety, we sort of choose the fungicide program to suit the varieties. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty regular. Yeah, my main concern was it was quite cold, not frosty cold, but just, you know, all through late May, early June, we didn't see much sunshine. It was quite cloudy. It was, it was cold. You know, you needed a, a jacket on, part, you know, in the early part of the day. Um, and then suddenly, you know, middle of June, well, so end of June, I suppose, the sun came out and, and it's been hot ever since, really. Uh, so, July's so been Andy, by the, by the time you got to May, uh, I presume it was relatively dry in your part of the world. You were drier than you normally would have been, as in you were, you were really... Yeah. I we were really we wanting want some water at that stage, maybe. Um, what the way it was? Yeah. Um, we, were, we were getting rain, but not big amounts. We were getting sort of, uh, you know, five and five mil here, and five mil there sort of thing. Not huge... We weren't getting sort of 20 mil of rain anywhere. Um, it, it was fairly steady. Um, and and from May I'm all just, the way through then, I, I would presume you got you got about the same, very little over, I think. Very little. I mean, we've had, uh, we had sort of third, well, 13 mil of rain in April, 37 mil of rain in May. 
29 mil in June. Uh, and most of that 29 mil fell on the 5th of June in one night. We had a sort of a, a good long 24 hours of rain. And since then, really, we had 12 mil of rain on the 1st of July. And we haven't really had a lot since that, if I'm honest. So it's it's not been, you know, for the spring crops particularly, they haven't had a lot of rainfall on them. Uh, you know, they've had sort of not much more than sort of 70 mil of rain on them uh, from planting to harvest. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a tough year for them, to be fair. Yeah. And, and and going back, because you just remind listeners, your um, establishment system is, is based around kind of a no-till type scenario. And I suppose within those systems or within that kind of system, the um, I suppose the hope is certainly coming from, from maybe other countries that, it would preserve moisture a little bit better maybe than a more open or, or a more conventional type system. Are you seeing anything coming true in your in your system or are you in it long enough? Do you think that that, that, that might be slightly different yeah. than, than your neighbours who are in a plant-based system? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Um, anybody who cultivated, you know, they, they lost all the moisture, particularly uh, uh, guys were cultivating them in, in sort of late March there. And um, yeah, you know, whereas we, we definitely preserved any moisture that was there, we did preserve. And our crops get away quite well in the spring. Um, so, yeah, I think we're seeing the benefit of that. Um, but regardless of the system, that's just not enough rainfall, really, to be honest, to get you to get you all the way through to harvest. So, um, so yields haven't been uh, overly special on the spring stuff. But, yeah, I mean, the winter crops rooted well and held on well. But, again, uh, the cracks opened up and, you know, it was just – I think you know we we definitely lost a bit of yield. It was so dry, and and early to harvest as well. The growing season was that bit shorter. You know, we always talk about trying to keep the greening and keep them green for longer, but you just couldn't stop it. It was so hot here that they just burnt off, sort of thing. So, and and you mentioned the disease levels were relatively low on on lots of your crops, and you and you were tailoring anyway. Have you had the opportunity to make a reasonable saving on your fungicide programs this year? Uh, yeah, we definitely have. Yeah, I mean, I've been sort of experimenting quite a bit. Um, we grew a mixture of Theodore and Costello, uh, so quite good disease resistance out of those two. Um, I grew forty hectares like of that, and we had various different treatments in that. Um, and there's no doubt we did put um, a flag leaf fungicide. We did a sort of T1 fungicide, and then a flag leaf fungicide. Uh, and with just the flag leaf fungicide. And I think the fungicide did bring something to the party there, but not huge amounts. Um, so, uh, and then, yeah, we I mean, most of our varieties have been pretty good. Um, you know, we grow Crusoe, we've had SY um, in Sator as well, which has really surprised me. That's been a great variety. x is probably not so much this year for us, but um, so, yeah, so we're not growing a high-risk variety. So, there is chance to, we don't tend to do anything at, at growth stage 30, um, see how we're at at growth stage 32. And I, I'll, I'll always, I think, you know, there's some good fungicides about um, at growth stage 37, even in the absence of disease, um, you know, the, the, the likes of um, Inatrek and stuff. I've seen good yield response to Inatrek, uh, even in a dry year sort of thing. So I'm fairly convinced to use that. And then, you know, I don't, tend to do an earwash necessarily on, on feed wheats, milling wheats we would do, um, particularly with Crusoe because brown rust can be a problem at that time of year. So, yeah, we get a Tebby Connorsal on that. Uh, yeah. And we mentioned, Andy, before around kind of weeds uh, within the system, I suppose grass weeds can often be a little bit of a problem. Are you 
slightly better this year with them or, or, or did, 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 are more of them coming through or what way are you coping this year with them? Uh, some and some really. Um, I'm still 2018 where we didn't get any autumn drilling done is still sort of uh, quite forefront in my mind, particularly last year and we started drilling quite early where I thought we, we, we were reasonably clean uh, we were drilling after spring oats and put quite a chunk of Crusoe in and God, that was hooching with black grass. Um, I was kind of committed to growing it on contract and I thought I'd get away with it. But um, yeah, that we, we definitely saw a yield penalty for the amount of black grass we had in there. I reckon we probably lost a ton of hectare um, because of that, that black grass. Yeah, in places you can see on the yield map. So uh, you can tell where we started drilling early and as we got later and later, um, the SY Intertour we drilled last sort of uh, mid-October end of October that was definitely the cleanest of it um, but the establishment wasn't quite as good so there's a trade-off there as well so um, yeah I guess the optimum drilling date for us um, it would be the probably first week of October sometime you know 7th to the 15th of October is probably the optimum drilling time for us but obviously I can't drill the whole farm in a week it takes us sort of you know, two and a half, three weeks. So we have to sort of start either side of that. And that was reflected, I think, in the in the crops and the yield as well, actually. So and and for the early zone ones, Andy, just in terms of that weed control, was it um that the pre-emerge herbicides didn't work as well, or is it just down to pressure? I think uh probably a bit of both, Michael. Um there was a lot of gra- black grass pressure there. It was dry prior to drilling, so we didn't get much of a flush of black grass. Um and there was a fairish mat of straw there after the oats as well. We ended up, I, my first choice would have been to drill that with a time drill, but we just couldn't get the time drill through the trash. The straw was just, the oats were quite green. The straw was quite green. The oats were, were you know, dry when we cut them, but the, the straw was quite green. And there was, um, we, we, we had to drill with a disc drill to get through it. And uh, I don't think that perhaps got away uh, quite as well. There was a thick mat of straw, and I don't know if the black grass herbicides, the pre-em herbicides, worked quite as well because there was such a mat of straw there that I don't know if they they were binding to the soil quite as well and creating that chemical layer. So they, they definitely did have control, um, but perhaps not as good as we've seen in the past. So um, I think there's a whole combination of factors at play. Actually, there's you know there was the trash, the dry spell as well and it was quite you know it was reasonably good drilling conditions when we were drilling it was going in nice it was a bit of soil moisture but it was just very dry on top and I, I think actually a, a drop of rain when we were drilling might have helped those preems work a little bit better as well okay yeah it's it's often difficult to get it all right as you say you're you're you're, you're be, be, betwixt and between getting it in and um but then getting weed controlled on on, on properties <laughs> exactly exactly um, exactly. In terms of harvest, you, you mentioned, Andy, that um, crops were earlier to get to flag leaf and presumably to head out as well. So I presume your harvest has started a bit earlier then as well, is it? Yeah, I mean, we'll be 9th of August today. Uh, it's our last day. We're just cutting the spring wheat today. So uh, I don't know if we'll quite finish it tonight. Um, there won't be a lot left tomorrow. It'll only be literally a couple of hours tomorrow to finish if we don't get it all this evening. Um but yeah, we've we've I've never known a harvest like it. We've started um, probably ten days ago um, on the on a Friday. I can't think what day that was now. Um, and yeah, we haven't stopped. It's everything's been dry. I haven't hardly touched the moisture meter. Um, 
the combines of uh, monitors the moisture for us, but I, I've never, you know, I just haven't, we've just started first thing in the morning. As soon as we diesel up, we're, we're going, there's been no dew. I've never had a run straight through harvest like this where we, we have not had no stoppages at all. We just, and you know, 10 days and we're virtually done. We, in fact, we had a day off on Sunday because uh, we were so ahead of the game and the forecast was good for this week. I said to the lads, we might as well, have a day off so um, yeah it's all you dry be, you, must be, you must be thinking to yourself is that like if you have to move into France or something that's what they must feel it's like it <laughs> well ironically actually I was in France and, and uh, on holidays and I started to feel very guilty so we came home early and um, <laughs> so, and I said and actually I, I, you know, I have said that it must be what it's like for the guys in, in sort of south of Paris there that you know every day is a good harvesting day and you just do it at your leisure sort of thing you know it's no wonder the French lads are so relaxed but yeah uh, but yeah, it's been the easiest harvest I've ever known and the earliest. But, you know, we'd normally be just about starting about now, about the 9th, 10th of August. We'd be, you know, any time now we'd be ready to be, you know, testing it and getting ready to to start sort of thing. But uh, yeah, to be finished. And and most lads around here are virtually finished now or, or got it in a corner. They're just taking the time now just to finish off. So, okay, yeah. And and obviously that comes with a bit of a cost, I suppose, on the other side in terms of yields. Are they lower than your expectations, do you think? Yeah, I reckon we're probably 10% down. Uh, we had a great year last year, really good yields last year. Um, our yields were probably 10% down on our long-term average uh, so this year. Um, and I think it's, it, it's, there's no doubt the dry weather's had an effect um, we haven't had that much first week this year because our rotation got kind of mucked up with um, a lack of beans and stuff in there due sort of going back to 2018 we didn't get any winter crops and we've had spring crop heavily uh, the last two years to, to try and get things back on track again so I think this autumn we'll be back more with more first wheats and stuff and that, that should bring us back I think that was definitely a lack of break crops um, putting winter wheat in after spring is just not ideal. I've I've learned that. So um, yeah, I think hopefully we'll be back on track again uh, this autumn. So yeah, yields are definitely a bushel weight have been very good. I haven't had any proteins uh, back yet, but bushel weights are very good. Uh, we're up in the eighties on most of it, um, oh. and you know yields are not disastrous. And the price the price will certainly make up. For, you know. Crops that we're harvesting now are all bought with the sort of, I don't want to say cheap fertilizer, but cheaper fertilizer than I've currently <laughs> gotten shed. Um, yeah. And, you know, inputs, inputs were cheaper. We're very much a low input, you know, low output system. I'm not chasing that 12 ton a hectare thing. So. And, and did you have that slightly lower yield? Does it mean that your protein, do you hope, is going to be up that little bit more and more of it to make the um, millen? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I mean, we grow milling on contract to Warburton. And that was telling me all through the season we were bang on. So, and, and you know, flag leaf onwards, so I did, we did quite a lot of testing with that. And it was all showing, you know, that we were, we were bang on for for uh, protein for, for that, for Crusoe. So, I don't know how accurate they are, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That the grain's got a good colour to it. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, one thing, one change I have instigated, we, we're um, updating our drill. So we run a Horizon, our prime drill is a Horizon disc drill. We've got an old horse CO8 that we use as well. But um, our prime drill that we use is a Horizon disc drill. That's updated. Unfortunately, it's slightly delayed, um, but we're going to put a liquid fertilizer system on that as well. So um, 
we will be able to put stuff down at planting, not necessarily, you know, your traditional MPK, but maybe other things that might help with establishments as well. So um, I think that's one positive step forward. Um, I think we'll be drilling into, we've where our, obviously we've got more winter beans this year, not great crop, but the ground will be a bit cleaner there. And where we the beans failed, I planted quite a, a decent summer cover crop with a lot of legumes in it. So again, that should, should give us some nice, decent ground to go at uh, this autumn drilling. So um, my big worry is when this drought breaks that it'll start to rain and not stop. So again, yep. it's going to be that balance as we get towards you know middle of September. When do we you know sort of pull the trigger and start drilling? And uh, you know I'll be keeping a close eye on the forecast and and sort of you know we'll be ready to go. So yeah, so I think yeah, like I don't know yet whether we'll have that drill with the option to put liquid fert and stuff down at drilling. I think that will make a big difference to us. Although it's slightly flexing the rules a little bit on MVZs, but. Um, but I, I think that will help being able to put amendments down at the seed. I think rather than just relying on seed coatings or seed dressings, being able to put some biology or some other bits down with the drill will help uh, establishment. Okay. So um, I, I, think I, maybe haven't, I haven't um, I haven't heard you mention oilseed rape at all as yet. I presume in the past there might have been oilseed rape. Is oilseed rape a no-no in your area on your farm? Uh, I've got one neighbour who grows rape still. Um, there's not much in our area mainly flea beetle uh, for us uh, it's never been a great crop in terms of pigeons we've got an awful lot of woodland dotted around the farm a lot of trees um, and you know we were shooting probably three to four thousand pigeons a season uh, it's a full-time job virtually scaring pigeons off all good rape for us so uh, being as we've had a restriction on my own we don't have the labor to do that and Flea beetles a big issue. There's been some fantastic rape yields that I've heard of over here this year. Real good yields. Anybody that had a good crop uh, did will have done very well. The general feeling is that there's probably not going to be huge flea beetle pressure this year because it hasn't been seen at harvest. So uh, in the trailers coming in. So I think there'll be a fair bit. Mind you, it's so dry here. Nobody's talking about drilling any rape at the moment. Um, I think... There's maybe a chance of some rain next week, but depending on how much we get, that will probably influence how much people plant, I think. So your break crop then, Andy, is beans, I suppose, for the most part, and oats then, is it? Or do you have anything else yeah, that you can bring in? Uh, well, beans and oats, and then I've got a, a dairy farm down the road that um, I've been growing sort of uh, clover, red clover and, and grass for him. So that acts as that's... I'll be planting wheat into that this autumn. So that's been a quite a good break and that works well for both of us, I think. Uh, helps him out because he hasn't got enough ground uh, to grow forage on. He wants it for grazing and he wants to, you know, grow his forage with us or, or with other people. And uh, so, yeah, that works quite well. That's a nice little break crop as well. Very good. And is there any any um, uh, muck in, in, involved in that in terms of organic manures coming back country? <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> He's That's got a straw for muck deal with another neighbour, and uh, I, I think yeah, we're working on it. I, that would be what I would be very keen to 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 get some more from if I can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You mentioned um, earlier the uh, I suppose the relatively cheap cost of fertilisers to grow crops this year. How do you view next year? Have you are you going to implement some changes due to the very high costs and 
I suppose, really, have you bought any fertilizer? I suppose, being the starting point for that. Uh, starting point is, yeah, I've bought all my fertilizer. Um, I just sort of kept an eye on it. Uh, we've been, when the Ukraine invasion happened, I bought, um, we've got a fairly big diesel tank and I filled that. Uh, we've got a 20,000 litre diesel tank, so I filled that. So we, we bought a diesel, which has got us mostly through the season. Um, I had to buy another 10,000 um, recently just to get us through harvest. But So our inputs have been great this year, but yeah, it's been a bit of a shock. There was a lot of guys panic bought fertiliser back in March for next season. Um, they were paying, you know, there was some big prices being talked around over here. Um, but I've ended up, I've bought a mixture of urea, um, ammonium sulfate and uh, some liquid as well. And I've, you could uh, pretty much double what I paid last year for everything. So my fertilizer bill is, is about double what it was last year, but I know it, it could have been worse and I don't think it would, could have been a lot better, but um you know, at one point there was talk about no supply at all, like there might not be any fertilizers about. So, um, so yeah, so we're looking at trying to boost the nitrogen use efficiency. I think anybody should be doing that anyway, but uh, yeah, so we're, we're using sort of, uh, you know, trying to be more canny. That's why I was using the end tester and things like that to just try and tailor the nitrogen use to the crop, if you like. And I, I partly wonder if we're not seeing much residual nitrogen in our system. As I'm reducing nitrogen rates a little bit at a time, there's not the residual nitrogen for the following crop, if you like. So, sure. um, and I wonder if that's having a bearing on sort of second wheat aren't performing quite as well as they ever have done in the past because there's not so much nitrogen left in the system for them. Whereas, obviously, after beans and stuff, after a legume, they're doing very well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it's we've bought all our fertilizer. We're sort of committed to to growing wheat again. The the, the wheat price still looks good. I can sell forward at decent prices. So we're fairly happy to keep going as we are. It's just meant the cash flows squeezed hard sort of thing. Okay. And and I suppose given that maybe the last question to you, and thanks very much for your time, but the last question just in terms of, uh, I suppose in a time where cash flow isn't wonderful, um, just probably a, a, you know, a high risk in terms of you know, trying to develop the farm and trying to and run run out of cash in that scenario. In terms of some of the capital purchases that you might have been planning, um, you know, you mentioned um, the drill that you, you might be updating that. But is there, is there other things that are kind of gone on the longer finger because of the fact that it's it's just a trickier and more risky time at the moment? I think uh, we're you know we we've got a few other income sources where we've got some residential and commercial lets. And uh, we've got quite a big solar park here as well that, that feeds in. So we've got a few different income sources here. So I'm not saying they support farming, but they're all sort of support each other a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt there's, I mean, I've got, you know, one tractor that's, uh, you know, I've, it's been a little bit troublesome and I would like to change, but I sort of think I could probably manage with it for another year or two. We'll just see because the price of even used tractors is, They've doubled in price. I mean, literally, it's it's frightening now. The price of kit, the the drill change is, is sort of cost neutral to us actually, because um, I've um, you know so that that's not a huge expenditure. The the first system is going to be the the only real capital expenditure for us this year. But in terms of investing in the farm, we're fairly well. We had a big sort out. I've probably mentioned it in previous podcasts, and and we run a very lean system. And I think uh, our view is that we'll keep going with what we got. We don't need to invest particularly at the moment. All our kits in, in good order. 
Um, what we are investing in is, is perhaps more commercial uh, units to let. Um, I can see more, um, not you know, a sort of a more stable income, if you like. Farming's very volatile at the moment. I mean, the wheat price is up and down. Input prices are up and down. And actually, labor's getting more and more of an issue over here to get people to work on farms. So um, we're, I wouldn't say we're, you know, we're still committed to farming, but I think if, in terms of any major investment, we'll probably stick that money in towards more commercial lets or something like that on the farm. So, um, and you know, we're doing a lot of uh, tree planting and stuff this year. And it's another thing I'm looking at is whether we can monetize the trees a bit more and, and you know, maybe grow uh grow you know a crop off the trees nuts or fruit or something so we're, we're sort of looking at things like that maybe slightly different to your standard growing crops farming okay. if you like uh, i think we might come back to, to, to that maybe as another uh, podcast maybe <laughs> hopefully for term maybe maybe in the somewhere around october november uh, because i think it's an interesting one uh, given the fact that i suppose uk agriculture is now in a very much a transition kind of phase away from direct subsidies and uh, I suppose you're really going to a, a um, you're on your own type of scenario. Uh, so all these other sources of income are, um, I suppose, going to be critical to try and keep farms going. Uh, I suppose so. We, we might come back to that again, Andy, if you're if you're okay to chat about it. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, that that's quite a big subject uh, to try and cover there in in uh, in one question. But yeah, you're right. I mean, times are really going to be hard. The government are not at all supportive of farmers or farming or the countryside it seems and their new environmental schemes that they're bringing out they just don't pay anything like the money um you know and it's kind of reflected in that they um you know that they set the money for the, for the environmental schemes 12 months ago and obviously things have shifted on quite considerably in, in terms of input costs and output costs so they're way off the mark and and the trade deals that the British government are trying to do are crucifying farming as well. You know, there's, yeah. um, they're not helping us. Suppose <laughs> it was it was never going to be pretty, uh, but maybe it depends on which side of the fence we're sitting on. Maybe but the fence <laughs> yeah. would is pretty, I suppose. Maybe, but look, that's that's for another day. Andy, I'm really delighted you could you could give up a little bit of your time um, in the middle of harvest, maybe towards the end of harvest. But again, thanks very much for your time, and we'd be delighted if you could um, if we could touch base with you again, maybe towards the, yep. the back end of the year. No problem, Michael. It's been a pleasure again. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Andy. Okay. Cheers, then. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Andy for joining me again in the podcast. The Chagas Crop Forum is running again this year on Thursday, September the 8th in the Kilishi Hotel, Nace. The event will cover areas like the changes we can expect to CAP 2023 and the new acre scheme. But it will also concentrate on the high risks involved in producing crops for the 2023 harvest. Mark this event in your calendar, and I'm certainly looking forward to meeting you at the event. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review, and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.